Hey, you guys, tickets have officially gone on sale for my next virtual conference. In May, we did Rise Live Courage, and now we're doing Rise Live Healthy and Happy. We're spending an entire day, nine plus hours of programming with some of the greatest speakers in the world, all talking about how to live your life in such a way that you have the energy to have the life of your dreams. What does it look like to learn to eat intuitively? What does it look like to move your body in celebration? What does it look like to approach health from a place of love and celebration instead of shame? We believe that healthy and happy is about how you feel, not about how you look. So I am joined by incredible people like Jay Shetty and Stacy Flowers, Kelly Levesque, Dave Hollis, Trent Shelton, motivating the crap out of you. Me, talking about inspiration. And if you've ever been to a Rise conference before, you better believe you're also going to hear from Beans and Chris. It's going to be a day of fun and energy and so empowering. If you feel like you have fallen off your plan inside of quarantine, if you feel like you need a kick in the pants to get you motivated again, this is the day for you, and tickets start at $40. You can go to thehollisco.com right there at the top of the page. You'll see a big banner. Click on it. Let's hang out. Let's get fired up together. Because when they ask you what's the worst that can happen, your mind goes to <laughs> your the mind's worst. Like, I got an idea. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So that never motivated me. And so I kept thinking about it. And then I, I flipped the question around. And then I asked myself, hey, but what's the best that can happen? I'm Rachel Hollis, and I've built a multi-million dollar media company with a high school diploma and the free information I found on the internet. In the 15 years that I've been building and scaling my company, I have become deeply passionate about helping other entrepreneurs to do the same. So each week, I'll be sharing tangible and tactical advice and inspiring interviews with the same intention. These are the tools to change your life and your business. This is The Rise Podcast. Will you, for people who are not familiar with you or your story, will you tell us who you are and uh, what kind of work you do? Sure. So I'm Michelle Poehler. I am the founder of Hello Fears, and I am speaking full-time all over the world, inspiring people to choose growth over comfort. And that's through a project I did a few years ago when I decided to face 100 fears in 100 days and completely change my life. So where in the world did this idea come from? <laughs> it came from, it was, I think, a mix of a lot of things. Like they came together, one of them being I moved to New York. And you you know how New York is. It's yep. a pretty scary city. And I've been a very fearful girl my entire life, but also a very ambitious girl my entire life. So those two things collided, and I decided it was time for me to step outside of my comfort zone and start facing those fears. And when you had this idea that you wanted to face your fear, which I think is not something like there's that old quote, you know, do something every day that scares you. And I always hated that quote because I'm like, I don't want to be afraid. I don't want to have to put myself into positions of fear. How did you even figure out what fears to take on? 
So I thought it was going to be easy to come up with a list of 100 things to do, and my idea was to do them consecutively. So that phrase of do something that scares you every day, uh, which is something I ignored my entire life and avoided, suddenly I said yes to that. And I, like I said, I, I thought it was going to be easy to put together a list of things, and then it was not that easy. It turns out we avoid thinking of our fears and the things that we don't want to do. We, we always put our mind on things that we actually want to do and excites us. So it was really hard to put together a list of 100 things. And what I did is I asked people around me to help with ideas. And what this ended up being was a project more about living life to the fullest and doing the things that are outside of my comfort zone, but I'm curious about or they can bring me a huge benefit. Like what? Wow. So <laughs> mainly my goal was to become a more confident person. So I spent my entire life saying no thanks to everything, every new opportunity, everything that was that I was the unknown for me. And so I started saying yes to um, for example, I'll tell you a few of the things that I did. So first I started by doing more simple things like trying food. I've never tried like oysters, which I hated, but I still <laughs> did it. Um, and then I started going into a little bit more harder things. Like for example, I went on Times Square and I did this challenge of dance, like no one's watching. And I went all out and all of this experiences I was recording and put it on my YouTube channel so people could see. And then I started when the project uh, went viral. So around day 40, it went viral. I started getting a lot more um, pressure and attention. So I started to challenge myself to face bigger fears. So for example, I did posing nude in front of a drawing class. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 That was, I think, one of the biggest ones. Yeah. Uh, but I did skydiving and holding a tarantula and crushing a wedding in New York, like a really elegant wedding <laughs> and all sorts of creative things. How funny. Like, uh, as you're saying these, I'm like, oh, I wouldn't, I mean, some things like holding tarantula that might freak me out. But what I think, as you're saying it, the things that I have a visceral response to are the things that are not considered polite or appropriate societally. So like mm -hmm. crashing a wedding, I'm like, no, you did not. But I think like, <laughs> even that is a really interesting like what, it, why is it, to, do you think that for some people, like some kinds of fear are okay and other kinds of fear are deemed wrong? I think it's depending on the culture that you were raised in. So True. for example, in my culture, I, I spent my entire life crashing weddings in Venezuela, where I'm originally from. Um, I think that was part of the culture. As a teenager, I would just go to any wedding um, from, of course, people that I know mm -hmm. or in my community. Um, but then I got to the United States and that's not like it's no, that's not all right. Like yeah. you need to be on the list. You need to have a place on, you know, somewhere yeah. to sit. Whereas in where I come from, we don't have assigned seating or anything like that. So, and it's all about just dancing the entire night. There are no speeches or anything. So coming here and realizing the difference in culture and how I would feel by crashing a wedding here, I wanted to have that experience. So I went, I did it. I uh, danced with a bride. I <laughs> ate, I did everything. And then I left. And it was like one of the most, like the, one of the best videos that I uploaded, people were loving it. And then the bride found out oh, and then no. the fear, Oh no. that's when the fear came because they were not happy. They asked YouTube to take down my video and yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. How crazy. Are, what, do you have, cause I, I definitely, 
am, I do not want to get in trouble ever. And that's where my fear comes. It wouldn't be like what you just described, someone discovering that I did something that is my, probably my greatest fear is like getting in trouble. So what is your, in this process, like what did you discover is your, did you identify one? Like this is the one that was the worst for me, but then had the greatest payoff because I faced it? Um, I think that one of my biggest fears throughout my entire life has been to be by myself. So because I was, I grew up being very fearful, fearful, I always thought that I needed people to protect me and people around me to make sure that I don't get lost, that nothing happens to me. And so this project was really hard for me, mostly the, the fears related to being by myself and being more independent. And I realized that that's where I needed to put more attention. And so I started, what I did is I divided fear into seven categories. So I realized that my fears were related, and I'll tell you the seven categories. So it's danger, pain, loneliness, control, disgust, rejection, and embarrassment. And as I was facing the fears, what I realized is that with fears related to, for example, embarrassment, like dancing in the middle of Times Square, doing crazy things, all of that, I'm not too afraid of those. But when it comes to loneliness, that like I was saying, terrified. So mm-hmm. I started challenging myself to like go to a different city for a whole weekend by myself or go to a Broadway show by myself to the movies to eat alone, all these things. Isn't it funny that we all have such different ways that we like being alone is like my dream. <laughs> Like I have four kids. I have this huge staff of people. I feel like people need me all the time. And all I want is to go to a weekend to another city by myself. Isn't it amazing that we all have such different because of where we came from or how we were raised? What is your worst nightmare is like my dream or someone else who would feel no problem whatsoever dancing in Times Square because they are just an outgoing person and they sort of live their life in that bold way. They don't really care about other people's opinion to someone else would be totally crushing. It's so interesting. And you don't think about it until you have a conversation like this one of like, man, what am I afraid of? Will you go through, would you go through the seven categories and give us some like an example of like a, you said disgust. That's really interesting. I don't know how that manifests. Yeah, so for me, disgust was related to food, like, for example, the oysters that Mm. I said, like, I'm very disgusted by the smell and the look and everything about it. And so I kept my distance. So that is outside of my comfort zone. It's not like I'm afraid of them in terms of danger. And that's why I divided them because I know that I know I'm not going to die by eating an oyster or even by riding on a roller coaster, right? Those are so different fears, but I still keep my distance very outside of my comfort zone. Another one in in disgust is going camping, like being (laughs) around mosquitoes and nature. I don't know. Agreed. I agree. I am 100% in that with you. I do not want to camp. That is my nightmare. Yeah. (laughs) So that's the disgust. What else? Like, and then the rest are pretty obvious, like pain. So I'm terrified of needles and anything pain related. And that's, I I really admire you that you have three kids. Well, I mean, now four, but um, i I'm terrified. I've been hearing the comment, oh my God, I'm sorry for you when you get pregnant my entire life. Oh. And that's why I've been also avoiding pain and, and that. And being a mom, it's terrifying for me. <laughs> Y'all, working remotely with your team is the new normal. I know it's the new normal over here, and I have no idea when it might change. 
And this new way of working requires teams to be more collaborative wherever they are. Monday.com offers a flexible platform to manage any team, project, or workflow online. Bring your team together so you can continue to collaborate, plan, and track your work. Monday.com is a project management platform that makes effective teamwork possible near or far. You can keep all your team's work in one place and coordinate across different teams and departments. This way of project managing increases productivity and efficiency and facilitates transparency between everyone on your team. Let Monday.com take care of what slows you down so you can free up time to focus on the work that drives you. To start your free 14-day trial, go to monday.com. So you did, you, you took on 100 fears. What do you feel like were the greatest lessons that you learned in that process? And did some of the experiences surprise you? Like maybe you thought it was going to be a positive thing to walk through that fear and ended up feeling negative or vice versa? Yeah, I think that expectations play a huge role when it comes to fear. Sometimes when we think it's going to be the worst one, we, we really never know until we do it. And it happened to me holding the tarantula. So holding a tarantula was something that was not even part of my list. Like I was that afraid of it that I was like, I'm going to face 100 fears and ignore <laughs> that I'm afraid of tarantulas. Yes. But then one day I visited my brother in college and his roommate had a tarantula. I mean, so how could I say no to that? And I was in the middle of the project. Um, I just went viral. So I really wanted to challenge myself. I did it and absolutely enjoyed it to the point that I considered getting a tarantula <laughs> for myself. That's funny. Yeah. And then I did, for example, um, trapeze. So I thought that trapeze was going to be okay and not that scary, like mostly fun yeah and then I got I almost got like a panic attack when I was about to do like when I was already in the ledge and about to jump I I was freaking out so expectations play a huge role and every single day I thought this is going to be the worst fear and then I did it and it was not the worst it was not as bad as I had it in my mind so the next day I was like no this is the worst one and then I did it and it was not the worst again and so I started that helped me build my confidence over time to realize that it is actually never as bad as we have it in our heads like we really blow this out of proportion and so one tool that helps me really understand the reward and the benefit behind all the fear and behind the negative thoughts is, you know, the typical question that people ask you when you're about to do something scary and and you're thinking about it and people are like, hey, Rachel, but seriously, what's the worst that can happen? Think about it. And that question is supposed to uh, motivate you, right? To take action. And what I realized during the project is that it's quite the opposite. Because when they ask you what's the worst that can happen, your mind goes to <laughs> your the mind's worst. Like, I got an idea. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So that never motivated me. And so I kept thinking about it. And then I, I flipped the question around. And then I asked myself, hey, but what's the best that can happen? And when you think of the best that can happen, then your mind goes towards the rewards. And then I learned from psychology that this is an actual theory. And then when you focus on the reward, you're more likely to take action. So that is the one tool that helps me now every time I want to take a risk. I ask myself, what's the best that can happen? I think of all the rewards and then I'm 
very excited to take action. That's a great, that is such a great tip. I think even, even when it's not a fear, even when it's like you're, you're walking into something uncomfortable, if just asking yourself like, what's best case scenario that could happen, you know, you're going home for Thanksgiving and you're going to see the family and you're, you know, nervous about having to interact. It's like, well, what are the best things? Who can you look forward to? What can be positive instead of what can possibly go wrong? The answer is everything. That's such a good one. Yeah. And it also applies, for example, if you're going to ask for a promotion and in that moment when you're about to ask for that, you're like terrified, right? You're Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, no, they're going to fire me. They're going to think that all these thoughts that we have. And then wait, wait, what's the best that can happen? What if you actually get the promotion? So that's where that's the right mindset to go into this situation. (laughs) So how long did you do this on consecutive days or you did this over several months or what was the full scope of the project? So the intention was to do it in a hundred days straight. And I started that way and I got to day number 70. And then day number 70 is when I realized that I only had 30 more fears to face. And I wanted to take this more seriously. I wanted to take it like advantage of this opportunity and really invest myself into the next 30 fears because I want to make it as meaningful as possible. So at that point, I started tackling bigger fears that maybe need a lot of more planning. Uh, Maybe I needed a weekend to face. Like, for example, I went for a weekend uh, to a new city by myself. Um, And so, or, or I went skydiving. They needed more time and more planning. And so I was okay not finishing on day 100. And it, I think I did an extra maybe 30 days of the project. I All I know is I started in April and ended up in October. But the reason why I ended up in October is because I did a TEDx talk as my 100th fear. And oh, that was rad. the date. That's rad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you finish, you finish these 100 fears. And then now what? What does it look like? I think of this as like I'm a, a, a endurance runner. So, you know, do a half marathon <laughs> or a full marathon or do some kind of endurance challenge. And then I finish that thing and I'm looking for what's the next. So what's the next step in the evolution of this for you? Yeah, so that was a really hard question. People started asking that a lot. Now what? And I had no idea. But what I realized is that it's easier when you change the question from now what to yes and. Mm. So yes and acknowledges what you did and then you build on top of that. And of course, I my intention was not to continue the project because it had an expiration date. So what I did is I changed the name from 100 Days Without Fear to Hello Fears. Hello Fears is it's more of a movement. It's more inclusive. It's not about me. It's about anybody that wants to, you know, become a braver person. And it doesn't have an expiration date. So I changed the name of, well, this, I guess, movement or project. And I started now analyzing what happened during the project and how my life started to change. And what I did is I realized that there's this concept of everyday courage, because it's not about those big fears that we face once a year, or once a month, like going skydiving or taking a, a trip to, you know, the hi- hiking a mountain like you just did. Um, it, it's also about the daily courage. And so I started highlighting that. And then I started another 100 day project called 100 Days of Courage. And this was more of an illustrated project I did on Instagram where I started to highlight daily things or small acts of courage. For example, being the first one to clap at an event, right? Mm. That takes a little bit of courage. Mm -hmm. Um, Or 
complimenting someone on the subway or on the street about their shoes. For me, that takes a lot of courage. I'm not the one to break the ice that way. So uh, I started just illustrating this and started talking more about it. And now Hello Fears is more of a platform where I continuously challenge myself on the day to day and share my experiences and highlight other people that are doing the same. And now with a speaking also. And what kind of response have you gotten from people? I'm sure it's been um, incredible to hear other people share their stories of walking through fear and, and having the courage to come out the other side stronger. So my favorite thing is to go and speak at events because I get to tell the whole story in one hour um, in starting with me facing my, being a really fearful person growing up as that and then facing my fears and then me being on stage sharing a message and changing my entire life and what happens is that people can see themselves when they see me they see themselves because when when they see me I'm not an expert or a Harvard graduate or um, an astronaut or ever a survivor or I went through a you know, a really hard time in my life. No, I'm like a normal person that decided to face my fears and change my life. So they see themselves in that possibility. And then they start to take take action immediately. So I send an email after my talks where I ask people, what fear did you face or which um, growth move did you make after you heard my presentation? And I send it like a day or two after they heard me. And the response that I get is fascinating. In one or two days, they are already saying things like, I decided to talk to my husband and, and be more honest about things that he needs to know. Or um, I used the restroom in the airplane or things like that. Or I reached out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I've been getting all kinds of responses, but people are taking action. And, and wow, to me, that's fascinating. Absolutely. Have you personally encountered or had someone tell you a fear that you're like that was your fear like are you surprised by the things that people are afraid of as you do this work I am but not anymore I realized that the comfort zone is something so personal and what might be very scary disgusting or uncomfortable for me might be what excites someone else the most so at the beginning I, I realized that people were judging my fears and they were saying things like oh that's not scary like I do that on the day to day for example I, I got a Brazilian wax as day number 15 <laughs> <laughs> that was terrifying it's for me, so painful too so, so painful. painful wait and so uncomfortable like yes. that moment like oh my yes. god no. <laughs> yeah so um and that that I, I felt so judged by other people that whenever they shared their fears with me even though I think it's ridiculous like people tell me I haven't been on an elevator for 11 years things like that I'm like wow Whoa. crazy Crazy. Yeah, but I cannot judge anybody because we all have very personal fears and it goes back to where we're from and how we were raised. Man, that is so interesting. What do you say to the people who are listening to this and they're like, what's the big deal? Like, why? Who cares if you're afraid of an elevator? You're taking this. Like, why does it matter to get to the other side of fear? So what I realized is that people think that the enemy of success is failure, right? So they try to avoid failure at all costs. And what I realized is that the enemy of success is actually comfort. Mm. And that thought that you described is a very 
comfortable thought to have. Yeah, I just rather stay in my comfort case. You know what? I was achieving things throughout my entire life before doing this project. I got to the school that I wanted. I married the man, like the 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 men of my life. Like um, I was achieving so many things because you know what? I had a checkbox. Uh, it was society's checkbox, and I wanted to check it, and I wanted to do it the best way possible. But it was not enough for my ambitious self. So I had so many other things I wanted to accomplish. I wanted to be someone. And it was only when I decided to um, choose, I mean, what's the word? Discomfort. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I decided to choose discomfort, that's when I started to actually accomplish my big dreams. Whenever we're going through something hard, it always affects us in more than one way. In the season that I've been in in my life, going through a difficult time has affected my sleep. I feel like I'm getting insomnia again that I haven't had in several years. And being able to talk that through with my therapist and kind of unpack why that anxiety is showing up at night or why my thoughts are racing or why I can't seem to shut my head off has been super helpful for me. And if you have considered seeing a therapist or talking to a counselor, it has never been easier to meet with someone virtually. If you are not familiar with BetterHelp, then I want to make sure that you hear about it from me. BetterHelp has counselors who specialize in everything you can imagine. Depression, stress, anxiety, anger, family conflicts, self-esteem. Anything that you share is confidential, and the service is convenient and affordable. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I want you to start living a happier life today. And as a listener of my podcast, you get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com rise. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash rise. It's so true. The enemy of success is comfort. It is so true because you're not going to achieve something new or step out in that place of you're stagnant. You're not, you're, you're sort of stuck here. And it's fear. And then I also think to some extent, and this was probably one of your seven things, it's pain. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's painful to make these moves. It's painful to decide to step out on a limb because you there's a very good chance you're going to fail at the thing that you are trying to do. And if you are develop like if you're developing this um oh like you're, you're sort of desensitizing yourself to how hard it is. Like, yep, I failed and that thing sucked and that was painful and I did the trapeze and I freaked out and but you know what? And then the next day I got up and I did another thing. And then the next day I got up and I did another you're you're almost taking the power away from what a big deal it is to feel mm -hmm. those negative emotions. I keep coming back to this lately. I just I interviewed someone yesterday. We were just talking about this idea of how powerful it is to choose your discomfort. Like mm -hmm. life is going to put you in situations. You will lose people or someone you love will get sick or maybe you get laid off from a job. Like that's life. Unfortunately, life has things like it, really hard, you know, 
uh, things that you have to walk through that will be uncomfortable, there is something so powerful about the discomfort that you're choosing. And I think that if you don't choose it, the universe will do it for you. Mm. And we don't want that. I've seen people that are so terrified to leave their job and they hate their job. And they see me and they're like, oh, I wish I was brave enough to leave my job. And then they get fired. And I'm like, you should have left. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask, I'm curious, and and you tell me if this is like too far (laughs) off topic, but how long have you, because you grew up in Venezuela, how long have you been here? Yeah, so I grew up in Venezuela, and when I was 19, 19, I moved to the U.S. to do college here. Got it. And so coming from Venezuela, I have friends, uh, many friends who are Venezuelan, so I know a bit of the politics and the history and the strife and how difficult it is. How much do you think that played into the fears that you carried into adulthood with you? So I think there are two things that made me this very fearful person and they came together and it was like a not, not a good combination. And the first one is definitely where I come from, Venezuela, being such a dangerous country. I grew up with, Michelle, close your window, it's too dangerous, this area, Mm -hmm. or people breaking into homes or people being, um, you know, just, it's dangerous in general. You have to take care of yourself at all times and Mm -hmm. be very guarded. Um, And so I grew up in a bubble because I knew how um, dangerous could be outside. And then that's one thing. And the other thing is my grandparents are World War II survivors. So they literally went through concentration camps. Mm. And so they moved to Venezuela when they survived the camps. And that's when they had my mom. And then so she grew up with so many fears. Imagine like they were completely traumatized. So they kind of traumatized her. And then uh, that's the only way she knew how to raise me. So in my house was so easy to say, no, I'm too afraid to do that. And then nobody would push you. And so I grew up, oh, oh, that's easy. You just say you're afraid and that's it. And so I started saying it more and more often. Do you feel like, is there some sort of vindication in kind of creating a new way, a new, a new perception of the world around you that's breaking the, breaking that narrative that you kind of grew up with, that narrative of fear that as you move forward in your life, if you have kids or even if you don't, but like as you move forward, you have changed the narrative that you came from. And there's some, there's so much power in that. I think that also one of the reasons why I embarked on this project is because I've been married for eight years, but at the point uh, when, when I started the project, we were married for, I think four years and um, we wanted to have kids at that point because I had no idea this was going to be my life. I, I had a pretty normal, stable life at that point. So we were thinking about kids. And then my husband told me that he was afraid I was going to raise very fearful, insecure kids. He said, you don't know what courage is. So how are you going to teach them that? And he was afraid for our kids. And that was hurtful. And it was so true. And so when I decided to do a 100 day project, I knew it had to be about facing my fears, because I wanted to be the a braver mom for my kids. And now that's our next big fear that we're going to face maybe next year. Yeah. And it is, I mean, it's, it's probably like any of the other things that you did. It's both the tarantula experience and the trapeze in that you're going to be like, this is so much better than I thought it was going to be. And it's also so much worse than I thought it was going to be. But man, we just like wake up tomorrow. We try again. That is, that is parenting as I know it is like, it's both things. 
I love that. I love sort of the root of what it is. And I want to honor you for that because so many people, people who are listening to this right now, have similar things that they walk through. Maybe for someone, it's not fear. It could be something totally different, but have known that they have a problem and haven't done anything to change it. And I love that you took on this very, like, specific, like, I'm taking on fear, but you took it on in a really beautiful, artistic way. Um, do you feel like that you have a, always approached things in your life like that? Or was this just this first big, like, I'm going to do this crazy project? I think this was the big, the first, yeah. first time that I did. It was really, really hard to accept this new mentality of saying yes to everything that scares me when I've been saying no throughout my entire life. So 26 years of my life, I said, no, thanks to everything that's given, then say yes. So, and do it in such way, because also I really committed to this project. It was not only about me facing the fears, it was me about doing the video every single day, edit a really nicely, you know, uh -huh. video with music and it's fun and then put it on YouTube. And then I created an emoji meter to let people know the level of fear during, <laughs> well, before, during and after each of the challenges that I did. And so it was like a big, big project that I knew had the potential to change my life. And I'm so glad I did it. I love that. If someone's listening to this and they have things in their life that they're really afraid of, and they're so compelled by what you're saying, what are some things that they can do? Like, where can they find you online? Where can they get more information so that they can be inspired to make change? So I try to challenge my audience daily on Instagram by sharing my experiences and, and how I challenge myself and also posting challenges out there for them. And I'm also sending a newsletter they can subscribe or, you know what, go to the YouTube channel, which is Hello Fears. Um, Hello Fears is the brand. So that's how you will find me anywhere. And on YouTube, you will find all of the videos or if you go to the website which is 100 days without fear there that's the the list is there in order you can watch all of the videos and have a lot of fun and then i'm really excited because next year my book comes out in may and who wants to pre-order they can already pre-order so that, that's awesome <laughs> is it called what's the book called hello fears hello literally. fears that's so rad and this was your first was this your first book yes this is my first book ever which was a huge project. I had no idea um, if I could write a book and I did it. So I'm really proud of myself for that. And I'm sure they're going to love it. Like, yeah, that's much. so rad. Michelle, thank you so much for the time and for talking us through all of this stuff. We got so much great information from you today. And if people are listening, go check out Michelle online, go watch the YouTube, go get Instagram, sign up for the email, do it all so that when the book <laughs> comes out next year, you're ready. Thank you so much, Rachel. I can talk for hours, but this was amazing. Thank you. You are so welcome. So this week, I announced my next book. It's called Didn't See That Coming. It's all about how you put your life back together after your world falls apart. I actually wrote this inside of quarantine because I wanted something that y'all could read as you transition out of the crisis of a pandemic. And then inside of writing it, my world fell apart. And this is a story of how you keep on going. This is a story of the tactics and the tools that I have used 
time and time again when I have gone through grief or loss or trauma. The book comes out on September 29th, and you can find it today. You can pre-order wherever books are sold. And yes, I am narrating the audio as always. But if you pre-order, meaning if you buy it any time before September 29th, if you go to didn't see that coming newbook.com, you can get my one hour course on how to rebuild. How do you rebuild your life? Free one hour course plus a workbook that you can print out and utilize to start the process. It's something that I thought I could give you to be helpful as you transition to whatever comes next. Didn't See That Coming is my new book, and I hope that you will check it out.